0: Today is gonna be the day that they're gonna
1: throw it back to you. I'm Sam Mitchell, and these are my stories. By now, you should have somehow realized what you gotta do. Hi, folks, I hope we're having a good day today. Let me be the first to welcome you to Autism Rocks and Rolls. Now, before we begin, I must know that I am not a doctor psychiatrist. If you're sardari's who diagnosed with autism, please see a physician. I only speak based on my experiences. I also don't want to write to the intro and outro, they are both found on archive.org. MP free download 22com and I also have a mission statement I like to review with everyone. The mission of Autism Rocks and Rolls is to take the stigma off of autism and other conditions that many think are disabilities. People on the spectrum are not broken; you do not need to be fixed. Those who have conditions or abilities do not to be pitied. There's nothing to be sorry about. I also have some paid for the following. Please allow me to express my gratitude for Duke Energy. Ryan Dunn and the employees' job is to deliver helpful and reliable energy to your home visit your local Duke Energy office today. However, it isn't all. For our gala event, I must thank our sponsors. Thank you to Unlocking the Spectrum, Top Dog Pet Retreat, The Battle of the Lights, Wellspring Paint Solutions, Fowler Pumpkin Patch, Benny Flynn, Place for Purpose or Marcy Cook, Duke Energy, UDWI-REMC, AM Vets, Indiana Oxygen, Indiana Family to Family, Stone Belt, Night Owl Promotions, Life Designs, Rockman or Jennifer Borland, Autism Parenting Magazine, actress Sarah Tonko, Rock on Music Incorporated, GM Children's Charity, City of Bloomington, Women's Group at the Probestrian Church of Bloomfield, Indiana, Reach High Consulting and Therapy, Hands in Autism, Office Easel Promotions, Living Well Home Care in Mitchell, Indiana, Brian Bogert, CPA Steve Miller Tax Service, Jim Doering, The Bluebird, and Party City. I am very grateful to these companies and the people supporting this event. You are the reason this could happen. There are also some people I like to thank. First, I know this gal is growing because we have received help from Lori Chandler. Thank you, Lori, for jumping on the train and giving us a boost for the mission. We also had our board meet. I will always have to thank our board because they help us so much. It would never be possible without any of you. Also, I had two networking connections. I used another blitzer. I also attended Rainmakers networking events. These are two great bases to use because I promise you, there will be at least one connection made for you. So give it a try by checking out their information. I was also on the Authentic Achievement podcast with Kim Adele Rendell. What a cool podcast. Be sure to check her information out. And I also have to say that you need to get your tickets for the Autism Parenting Magazine Summit now because it will be one heck of an event to attend. Now, folks, we'll be right back. We're
2: going to hear about Wellspring Pain Solutions. So let's get to it. Hello, everybody. This is Mike Glascott from the Glass in the Afternoon radio program on News, Sports, Talk, 98.7 and AM 1370 and WGCLradio.com. And on behalf of Wellspring Pain Solutions, they're happy to partner with Sam Mitchell and the Autism Rocks and Rolls podcast. Wellspring Pain Solutions applauds Sam's mission statement to eliminate the stigma associated with autism. Here's what we want you to do. Check out the website. Wellspringpainsolutions.com. You'll find out which of the four locations is closest to you. You'll get a chance to meet their team of providers and all the services offered at Wellspring. When you're there, now the fun really begins. You'll find the link to Sam's website where you'll find all his podcasts, background information on his guests, as well as all the merch in his merchandise store. You'll be amazed. You'll have fun. You'll enjoy it. All we ask you to do is take a listen and spread the word that autism rocks and rolls. All right, folks, we're back. I don't want you to be too nervous to meet these
1: fine people. Now, folks, today we got a treat for you. We have another podcast all the way from England joining us. They run the TWS Sports Podcast and have had some great guests such as Mick Foley and Shane Williams. The students all have autism, but it did not stop them from making this epic podcast and getting nominated for this year's Sports Podcast Awards. Please help me welcome Adam Milchip and his student, Harvey. How are you guys doing today?
3: Very good, thank you. Thank you for having us on.
1: So this is actually several, these first five are actually
3: just for Adam. So Adam, what does it mean to teach someone who is autistic? Yeah, it's incredible. I've been doing it now. This is my 10th year of, of teaching autistic children. The thing with autism, every individual is completely individual. They're all unique in their own way. So no two days are the same, which is good fun. And yeah, it's something I'm very passionate about. My parents both work with autistic children, and my brother-in-law is autistic. So it's in the family, and it's something that I've always been around. And I really enjoy it. The school right now is my second school for I've been up with autistic children, and it's a fantastic school. All the staff and all the students are incredible, and it's something, yeah, I really, really enjoy doing. Now, you knew Harvey did have autism,
1: but what were your like initial thoughts when you wanted to do this, like enter the, the autistic world? in a way. Um,
3: I suppose, it, yeah, I, I was nervous. Um, I, ha- I was lucky I've, I've been around autism all my life with my parents and my, my brother-in-law. When you're a teacher in, in charge of 10 students all who are all autistic, yeah, it can be very nerve-wracking at first, but then you quickly realize it's no different to teaching any children. Obviously, things have to be maybe differentiated differently or slowed down slightly or you have to approach it in a different way of teaching. But yeah, I remember my first sort of week of teaching in general, I was, yeah, really, really scared You've I got, bet uh, you
1: were because you were right. You had to slow things down. You got to go track down, track B. We don't learn the <laughs> same as in a general classroom because they're, sometimes can be a little too fast.
3: Yeah, definitely. Everything has to be obviously you different resources, um, lots more staff support in class. So managing staff can be difficult at times, sometimes more difficult than the kids. But yeah, it's a different way of teaching, but it's a fun and exciting way of teaching that I really enjoy.
1: Based on observations, how do you think Harvey's brain operates based on your observations
3: <laughs> <laughs> harvey's got a very unique brain i'm not going to speak about harvey but autism in general i suppose they they do think slightly differently but that's not to say that they're wrong or different my way of thinking could be wrong i suppose their way of thinking is stereotypically being generalized in autism is they think a lot more in depth about scenarios or s- statistics or <laughs> will remember facts a lot better than other people but from my experience, just because they're autistic doesn't mean that they should be treated differently or you should think about different things. They're just different way of thinking. And usually they're um, a lot better way of thinking than me.
1: Right. I could agree with that statement. I think we're out of the box sometimes. We go with very creative and unordinary, but cool ideas.
3: Yeah, definitely. And, and Harvey and some of the other students that I work with um, have been great on this podcast and come up with some fantastic ideas. And quite often we'll speak to Harvey and Tom and Avatar, who also host the podcast at times. Um, and they'll come up with some really good ideas and some good questions. And have really learned a lot through the last year from doing the podcast.
1: So Adam, I also want to know this. In your eyes, what is the most
3: rewarding and the most difficult part of teaching someone with autism? Uh, I suppose rewarding is watching them grow. And when they finally understand and can grasp something, it's a lot, I think, better achievement for me as a teacher rather than teaching like in a mainstream class. So getting them to finally understand how to do something or or what to do can be give you a lot of gratitude and you can be really thankful for what you've done. Yeah, of course it comes with challenges. Every so we might have a class of of 10 students, all 10 of them students are completely different. And you might have to differentiate the work 10 ways. So that can be a challenge to support each child. As much as they need support, it's a challenge. But it's also unique and makes you think and appreciate the children and, and young adults a lot more.
1: Okay, let me ask this: What about the way they think makes them appreciate
3: the way they think? I uh, so speaking to Tom and Harvey as well. I spoke to Tom the other day, who hosts the podcast, and he speaks very good about how he thinks and he talks a lot about his autism and how he may think slightly differently and a very visual thinker. So whereas I might look at things written down and be able to understand that quite often autistic individuals might need a picture or visual of it rather than a list form. So yeah, they're probably known as being visual thinkers, which is a very good quality to have because I'm not a visual thinker at all. So yeah, they may think slightly differently, but probably think a lot better than I do.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that, Steve, because I'm like your buddy there. I'm a visual person myself. I do a lot better if I see it in pictures. Now, when it comes to sayings, I think in words more when it comes to like sayings and English and all that. But when it comes to anything else, I learn visually at times and that's how it'll grasp me. That's where it comes. A, it comes a lot
3: in museums. So for me, I definitely am a visual person. Yeah, definitely. I think when you were probably in school, as well, lots of the school work <clears> is, is visual and you have um, symbols and pictures of what you need to do and what's expected. And all the signs around school are symbolized and photos of different locations to help our students.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. But it was 50-50 where I went to school at. 50% yeah. audio, which I also learn that way too. It's just I don't learn kids I don't think sometimes I learn, as they say, hands-on, which is where you mess around with Play-Doh and all that. I do yeah. do that, but then there are cases where I don't. So I, I can't just sit in a classroom and take notes.
3: <laughs> no, that's very boring as well. So what advice would you give to other teachers who have some with autism in the classroom? I think taking the time to, to first of all, research autism because again, the job I do, I support lots of mainstream teachers who have autistic children in the classroom. And although it's getting better, it's still surprising how little people know about autism. So I think first of all is just get a little understanding of what autism is. Again, it's, it's a very wide spectrum. So you can't just say autism is this. Autism is a complete, complete spectrum from one end to the other. But yeah, trying to adapt your teaching, giving that child a bit of extra time, some visual support maybe find a quiet area in the class for them to learn with without distraction and minimize noise i think my main thing is to be keep it visual and give them a bit extra time
1: yeah definitely use the resources that are provided for you they'll definitely help you out because i'm like others where adhd kicks in. whereas if it's not quiet place i'm always looking at the wall so it's like squirrel <laughs> those moments all the time so if it's definitely not quiet it's going to be a little bit hard and a little bit distracting for me to where it's not going to be a focusable place at all now these questions are for harvey so harvey what does having autism mean to you
0: i think just having it is just the thought oh my god i'm put on the spot i can't really think of anything i think autism just makes me who i am as a person and it mainly is my personality and it's what i find that makes me happy for it the day and there's sometimes it can bring me down to my lowest points but i always get back up well i'm glad you always get
1: back up you'll have bumps in the road but i think at points you'll be able to hop over them and it'll be a rough speed bump when you hit it but you'll just hit it and you go on also harvey what were your initial thoughts when you learned that you had autism
0: i only got diagnosed probably about a year ago but i always knew that i had autism so I got assessed for something called PDA, which is also known as pathological demand avoidance. But my thought was really, I finally got a diagnosis. I can finally get understood. And I thought, I have a guaranteed diagnosis now.
1: That's awesome. And I want to talk more about that statement. You said you finally got understood. So was your whole life a bit confusing? Because you said you knew it, but there wasn't any diagnosis or a piece of paper that could back you up.
0: Probably because I live in a care home. So it's a bit like there's loads of misunderstandings that go on and it's very crowded in there as well but i knew that i had some sort of autism from the age of five but to finally know that i had guaranteed diagnosis that just made it a lot easier for me to get understood that's awesome when you finally get understood it's like your eureka moment and i bet you did you feel that
1: kind of sense when you were finally as you said understood
0: yeah i think Because when I finally got diagnosed, I was literally running around, jumping up and down, shouting, I finally got diagnosed.
1: (laughs) Me too. Bet you were Spider-Man hopping on the ceiling. Yeah. Just please don't hop on the ceiling, literally. Yeah, true. (laughs) Now, how do you think an autistic brain operates based on your observations and based on how you process information?
0: I think the way I process information is because with my specific autism, there's only like two handfuls of people that actually have this condition, certain autism. But on my observation of mine, my brain operation would probably be if I got asked to do something when my anxiety is high, I wouldn't be able to do it. It's like, this is what I say to people, it's not that I won't, it's that that I can't. When I try to do what I'm told, then that just puts pressure on me. So that can put me into like an overload of mixed emotions and very, very stressful thoughts in my mind. And it's sometimes very hard, but if I get given five, 10 minutes to process, then I'll, I'll be able to do it. It's just that prompting for me is sometimes not really the best way to approach. Right.
1: You need time. You can't just be like, boom, we can't, The yeah. you, light bulb doesn't go off every time. It's like the light bulb is going to have a five to 10 second delay. Gotcha. And, Also, now you mentioned it with your anxiety, what happens? Does your stomach cramp up? Do you just become dizzy? And I'm not trying to be rude, I'm just very curious because I I, I do the same thing.
0: I think mainly for me, it's adrenaline. Just it runs through my whole body. Then I start feeling like very, very energetic or my heart starts pumping really fast and I start to shake quite a bit. Like before I started the podcast, I felt a bit of an adrenaline because I had a bit of anxiety, but now I'm in it, it's a bit better.
1: Yeah, that's like me was speaking for the first few seconds. My adrenaline rush and I get butterflies in my stomach each time. But when I'm on stage, it goes away. So I completely relate because in those moments, you just think of all the possible situations that could happen. Now, in your case, Harvey, what is the most rewarding and most difficult thing about having autism?
0: The most rewarding thing I would probably say is the recognition I get from telling people. And when I tell them, I can help them understand, which makes more people on earth just understand autism. So knowing that people understand me is like the most rewarding bit about it. And that does
1: feel good. You just have that area. Yeah. The area of just finding like, okay, I'm in the
0: place where people are around me and they know what I'm going through. But I think the most bad like thing that I think that's a little bit could be worked on is sometimes I can't process my emotions at all. Like right now, for example, I feel happy, but then there's also something else in there, but I don't exactly know what. So sometimes it can be happy with a mix of something else, or it could be literally can't know what I'm feeling at all, to be honest.
1: Wow, that's that's actually really unique, if I'll be honest. And I mean that in a good way. Very unique way of, of emotions because I'm a very expressive type person. Like if I'm mad, I'll tell you straight to your face. <laughs> I'm mad, buddy. <laughs> Do you feel like you do that sometimes or is it just where you just feel happy and just keep your emotions to yourself?
0: Yeah, I think I can share my emotions pretty well. It's just sometimes when I don't know how I feel or what emotion I'm having, I think that's where it's a little bit harder for me. And I go into a bit of the gray areas of where I'm struggling and stuff like that. So it can be very stressful.
1: Yeah, there are days there I have stressful days, so totally relate to you, but I think we're both stressing out for maybe similar and probably different reasons. Now, do you want to know this? What advice would you give to some with autism, Harvey?
0: I think mainly if anybody ever says that autism, you can't do anything, you can't do anything good at all. You just say to them, autism is not a disability. Think of it as a different ability.
1: Right. I would agree with that expression, right? I always promote that on the show because it is very unique and different ability because you are just seeing the world in a different way there are times where you may see double triple it gets blurry and it's or where it's just like you but we see it as a way of learning and thinking more than others or we just have fun in our own ways too now i do want to talk more about your podcast tws sports
3: and you both can answer these how and when did your podcast journey begin so our first one was may last year so may 2021 was our first episode so we haven't been going quite a year yet and it's been an incredible journey over over the past year so it started kind of during covid when we were all in lockdown a little bit and we were listening to a lot more podcasts and it started off with a discussion with our head teacher or principal sarah who we had a little talk about how we could educate our children in a slightly different way at the time Well, I still, I don't think not many schools are using podcasts as a tool to educate their students. And we came up with a podcast idea. I think podcasting reduces social interaction, reduces eye contact, reduces things that stereotypically autistic individuals find quite difficult. So we thought podcasting would be a good tool to educate our children. And yeah, it started back in May and it's been growing and growing very, very fast ever since.
1: Well, that's awesome. Mine grew fast, too. I didn't expect it to grow. I expected a few <laughs> hits here and there, but I didn't expect it to be like this big nonprofit with 308 followers. I didn't expect that. I'll be 100% honest with you. And now that you're on topic of having the eye contact reducing and with all that helping, let me ask Harvey, do those taking away those certain struggles with the eye contact, with the reducing of if you feel like you need a rest, you can. Does that help you? And yeah,
0: how? I think mainly because it's just a voice. You just straight up voice reading. And you don't really need to use much eye contact. You can just keep yourself to yourself while the person is speaking. Or you can just read the question and then you could sit back and listen.
1: I would agree with that. Because doing Zoom like this, I mean, I know it always sometimes made around, complaining around saying, like, oh, Zoom, nah, 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 nah. I know that. But mm-hmm. there are some benefits to Zoom in with autism it can definitely be beneficial so i've seen that with myself and with others so now how has the podcast helped you together like harvey and adam but has it
3: helped you as an individual's perspective like adam and harvey or as one so personally from my point of view it, i found it really beneficial because i'm not harvey's teacher and i'm not tom and alpha who also do the podcast i'm not their teacher either so it's beneficial for me to do a podcast with them and get to know them and see other students within the school and i feel especially tom and avatar have done it for a long time now so i feel very i know a lot about them they they talk to me a lot more in school harvey's about a month about yeah a month. probably
0: probably about a month i've been doing the podcast and harvey's
3: yeah. done a few with us and i already feel harvey will always speak to me in the corridor and come and talk to me and ask where the next podcast is so it's really good for me to Get a better understanding of our students and build a relationship with Tom Harvey and after and I think the four of us work really well together over the time the students have become more involved, and I'm taking a step back. I think when we first started the podcast, I probably did ninety five percent of the work and Tom and Avatar just asked the questions. but now I'm not involved in the podcast. I don't do the interviewing unless somebody can't make it. It's so all the boys, the boys sit down, the boys talk to the guests I just sit in the corner and watch. So now it's probably 90% of the students doing the work, which is, which is what, what it should be. And yeah, it's great to work with them, the three of them. We've had a few more do it in the past as well.
1: That's awesome, but I am curious,
3: Adam, are there times where
1: you've had, I don't wanna say like take over, but step in and help out?
3: Yeah, of course. There's times where they might find a question difficult or might not be able to read a word. But no, I, I try and sit back and not get involved too much. Tom and Harvey and Alftar are really good and if they don't understand something they might ask for help or if one of them feels more confident with a the question they'll take the question off each other and no there's not really a time where I've had to step in because something's gone wrong or anything's happened. We've been very lucky the guests have all been very good with our students and there's never been a time where a guest has said anything inappropriate or a guest has been quite difficult. The guests have all been fantastic so no luckily so far I haven't really had to step in. help which which is how it should be
1: and yes you're right and i'm glad you do but i feel secure i always have I, i call the reinforcements that's why i have an editor because i don't like to ask bland questions i tend to type out questions that sometimes can be bland so i always have to figure out a way to spice them up or make it sound more professional so i'm glad someone's there and i i'm glad you do as well now in your opinions what are the most exciting part and challenging parts of doing a podcast
3: Yes. what's the most I'll go exciting first.
0: um the most exciting bit is getting to talk to new people because I got the chance to speak to a person named Paddy McGuinness the other week and it was a really big honor to speak to him because he is quite famous over here and also most challenging part can be the reading because I am still learning to read some specific words because it is quite hard when I'm reading and I've got someone listening to me and like it's a little bit of pressure but once I get like 20 minutes into the podcast, it's a bit better because then I'm just flying through the questions and it's a bit more
3: at ease. I think from my point of view as well, the best bits is seeing the students, like how much they enjoy it and how much they grow. And every day the students are asking me when the next podcast is, who we're talking to next. I receive emails daily from around the world um, <laughs> about the podcast and very random. We had some emails from where was the other, one the other day from Kenya, I think it was Kenya. A random email just saying that we love the podcast, we listen every week. Yeah, we've must, I must have seen thousands of emails over the past year about the podcast, which is just incredible. So to reach the people that we're reaching and to spread the word of autism, yeah, something that I, I didn't see happening, if I'm honest, but it's incredible. First of all,
1: you guys are lucky. I haven't gotten an email out of Indiana, so you guys are <laughs> lucky. Well, I have, but they've been for it. but I haven't been gotten like one from Kenya that says you're doing a great job. So you
3: guys are yeah. lucky. I'll get, I, I hope I get one one day and, and I this. think we're lucky because I think the the guests we have we've had quite a few guests from different from different parts of the world, so I think if we have we had a guest from Australia a few weeks ago, so people in Australia would start to listen because they're interested in that guest, so I think that's that's the reason we have kind of reached a lot of people which is which is good right and I'm Harvey, I'm like you though with podcasts. starting it kind of can be a little rough
1: rough, but then towards the middle I get going it's just starting it. I just got to figure out the basics, I guess, apparently. And now that we're speaking about guests, let's talk
3: about some guests.
1: So is there a process on how you get guests?
2: Yeah,
3: it can be very tricky. So social media is a huge benefit. I know it has its bad bits, but social media for us is is a huge benefit because getting hold of these celebrities and sportsmen and women is very challenging. They all have agents and managers, but we can contact them directly through social media. Probably only two or three out of 100 reply but what we're also lucky in the fact is that sometimes guests will put us in touch with other guests so we've had a few football or, or soccer players on previously who have put us in touch with their teammates and former teammates so we're very lucky in that aspect that sometimes we get a nice chain of contacts through through our initial contact which really helps but yeah it's again word of mouth we're lucky that on social media we have quite a good following so sometimes people will ask to be on our podcast so yeah we're, we're quite lucky that Probably our main two ways of getting guests are social media and then word of mouth of people putting us in touch with other people.
1: I was curious, who were your favorite guests that you got on the podcast Did any of them make you nervous?
0: Me, the two most nerve-wracking people that I've interviewed is a guy named Alan McAnally. He was a former football player for Aston Villa, which is one of the teams. That was quite nerve-wracking because I've heard a lot about him, I've seen like him on TV, and the second person would be Paddy McGuinness because he's quite famous. He's hosted a show called Take Me Out. He's also got a wife and three kids with autism as well.
1: And out of curiosity, why did you pick a sports podcast?
3: Uh, I think initially because I've
1: got a big interest in
3: sports, so it was always something that I put to our principal and, and mentioned. And then we spoke to a few teachers and a few students at our school, and we pitched the idea of doing it around sports, and then we had a few. Students who are interested in sport wanting to take part. I think, as well, sport is something that just because you're autistic, it doesn't mean you can't participate in sport. Sport should be differentiated and adapted to suit not just autistic students, but students in wheelchairs, students with other conditions as well. So I think sport is very inclusive, could be more inclusive, but it is very inclusive at the moment. And yes, we base it around sport. I was quite lucky. I know a few local. Footballers who play for our local football team, which is Wolves. So that's how our podcast started. We had a few football or soccer players on the podcast, and then it kind of grew from there, which is amazing. So luckily, sports is good, and we've got quite a few sports men and women who want to be on the podcast.
1: And that's awesome, man.
3: Just for fun, I'm not
1: quite famous, but I think I'd be a good fit. What do you think about scheduling me on when we're done? Can you speak to Sam on the podcast? Yeah, definitely. (laughs) All righty, let's have you on. We'll schedule when we're done here. So I also now want to talk about skills. So, what skills would you say you both have developed? Podcasting and not
0: skills that I've developed within podcasting is more communication skills. Because before the podcast, when I used to communicate to people, it was a bit muffled because I didn't really know what to say or didn't really know how to act. And also, without the podcast, it really helped me with my reading, and it's just the best thing for me. And that's
1: great. I'm, I'm the Harvey. I'm like you there too, man. When I didn't start the podcast at first, my issue was I was afraid of saying the wrong thing at the wrong time to the wrong person. And I did that quite a lot in my childhood. So I kept very quiet and I hated it. It wasn't because I was shy or or because I was afraid of speaking to anyone. I just didn't want to offend anyone. That was Mm -hmm. my biggest challenge. So I think we're a lot alike there. Now, what about complex? Has there any skills through the podcasting or just in life that you've learned through the podcasting that you're still trying to
3: improve or that have been very complex for you? So I think from behalf of me, I would say my technology skills have definitely improved. So you'd know that not just podcasting isn't just about the interview we're doing there. There's a lot more to it, the editing and the research skills and the computer software programs that you use. Editing of a podcast can possibly take hours. It's not as easy as people think. I think people just think it's just a conversation. You put a bit of music at the start and that's it. But yeah, it can take three, four, five hours to edit a single episode. So my editing skills have quickly improved. I think as well, speaking on behalf of some of the other students, they've said similar to what Harvey said, their communication skills, their reading skills. Also, especially with Tom, one of our other students, he's getting involved with some of the editing of the podcast and his computer skills and technology skills and editing skills have really improved as well. And then also you've got the research skills where speaking to WWE wrestler Kerr Angle soon as well so we did a lot of research for him and learning about his career and preparing questions to ask him so yeah there's lots to do with the podcast that isn't just the chat we're having now
1: hey if you could put in a good word for me for Kurt Angle because he's on my guest <laughs> for season two so <laughs> definitely will thank you I am curious you did say it helps you with your reading and in your perspective and this is just me out of curiosity because it I don't read a lot but it just never helped me with reading so how does it help you with your reading skills
0: well i think when i'm doing the podcast there could be some words that i've never like really seen before and if i can't read it or if i ask for some help and then i can recognize that word next time i do the podcast so then that would make me recognize that word and even more words in my vocabulary
1: oh okay that makes more sense yeah i'm like that too because there's a word on here i couldn't say for the longest time it was when I was saying the Presbyterian Church, I kept saying Presbyterian, Presbyterian, <laughs> Presbyterian. I thought, well, crap, I'm not going to get this word. But then I finally <laughs> just had to ask, like, what's this word? I can't figure it out. And then we finally just had to, like, sound it out and Presbyterian. We had to go to a little elementary school. So it <laughs> took a while to get it, but we got it. Now, I am curious, to before we go to, like, Marshall... I am curious harvey can you list your biggest autistic challenge and how you have or are overcoming it
0: i think like people giving me any commands or asking me to do something that could be very challenging for example if i had a reward chart and they told me do this do that do this you'll get this and that that puts pressure on me to be like that for the rest of the duration of the incentive chart and then that would just put loads of pressure and stress on me then that can cause me to lose that behavior that I want to be keeping the way I'm working on that is obviously try not to have incentive charts but also I research a lot of autistic people and YouTube videos and there's a guy that I've seen called Harry Thompson and he does conferences around the world on autism and PDA and stuff like that And I think watching his videos has really helped me to sometimes overcome certain things and aspects in autism of challenges. Right. And I like that, too.
1: You just get so overwhelmed with the commands. You're like, do this, do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do that now. Whoa. You need to slow down a bit with me. I had to take the steps one step at a time where you got to have step one, step two, step three, step four. And you can break it down and it can be as basic as you can. But if you combine them and it's too much of one in a step.
0: Like a routine.
1: Yeah, it could be a routine. But I just mean, if it's too much in a routine, Yeah, ain't going to be too pretty. No. <laughs> All right. So we're going to hit another commercial break. We're going to hear about unlocking a spectrum. So let's get to it.
3: At Unlocking the Spectrum, we are committed to making the highest quality ABA therapy accessible to all children with autism. We pride ourselves in offering fun, compassionate, and, and data-driven programs, rules with autism, and unparalleled support for their families. Our personalized approach means that every unique child is given just what they need to reach their maximum potential. We are so happy to support Sam in his mission of taking the stigma off of autism. You can learn more about our services and employment opportunities in both Indiana and Texas at UnlockingTheSpectrum.com or by calling calling 855-INFO-UTS. That's 855-INFO-UTS.
1: All right, folks, we're back. And yes, please check them out because they will definitely unlock the key to success. Now, I also heard you guys got nominated for the Sports Podcast Awards of this year. So how did everyone feel when they heard about being nominated for the Sports Podcast Awards in 2022?
3: Yeah, it was an incredible achievement just to be nominated. So we found out we were nominated, uh, I think it's back in November of last year over Christmas we went to the judges to get down to a shortlist of eight podcasts so over Christmas we found out that we were shortlisted into the final eight as you know there's over two million podcasts around the world there's over 200,000 sports podcasts around the world so to be nominated into the last eight of the best social equality sports podcasts in the world was just something that we never ever set out to do and never thought we would even get nominated let alone shortlisted and then potentially winning we went the voting closed. They shut the, um, so you couldn't see the voting for the last week. We were top. So, yeah, potentially winning it. To be recognized, to have the best sports podcast that promotes equality in the world is something that we never, ever thought would, we'd ever come close. We never thought we had the best podcast in Hampton, let alone the world. Yeah, it's an incredible achievement. I think we find out next week if we've won. So, fingers crossed. And, yeah, it's an incredible achievement for, for the students and our school.
1: And that's great. Now, if you win, please tell me you'll celebrate. And if so,
3: how? I think I'll celebrate different to the boys. Sadly, I don't know. Might be a nice. I don't know how we celebrate. Mm. But sadly, the the awards are virtual, which is a bit of a shame because they're usually in the the O2 in London, which is a. What's the O2? It's like a big. Big building. Big building. It's a big international (laughs) building where they hold concerts and award ceremonies. So usually it's in there. So it's a bit of a shame due to COVID, it's, it's virtual. So it won't quite be the same sat in my kitchen table watching it. I'm sure the day after, if we win, we'll get together and have a little celebrate and a of a party or something. We'll do something fun at school, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> Correct. I'm excited for you guys. I'm hoping you guys do win. Now, I do want to talk more about your school. So when I did some research, I actually looked at your school's mission, and it really hit hard on me. It says, do our best and celebrate. So, Adam, what does that quote, that mission statement, that powerful mission statement, may I add, mean to you from
3: a personal and a teacher standpoint? I think from a teacher point of view, it's to celebrate every achievement because yeah, being realistic, our students aren't going to be able to achieve some things that other children might be able to achieve, but that doesn't mean that their achievements shouldn't be celebrated, however big or small they are. Like if you're looking at the podcast, for example, that's a a huge achievement that millions of other people will never achieve, but that doesn't mean it's any bigger than a student learning to use the toilet or to eat a certain food or to get changed i'm sure as you're aware every autistic individual is completely different and just for some to be able to sit in a classroom for 10 minutes is a huge achievement every day our students are achieving small things some are achieving really big things and to them it could be a massive thing
1: and it's like you said the small steps mean something the baby steps are big steps in a way it's not baby and big the baby is
3: big in a way the baby
1: <laughs> steps are the big steps
3: yeah definitely and we get lots of our children parents um tell us how what incredible school we are and what amazing individuals the staff are and what amazing students we have and for them at home to have their child who is able to play with their peer play with their sibling go to bed on a reasonable time or take part in meal times is a huge achievement for our students and also makes a massive impact on their families
1: it's like this one batman "Quote: I heard it's from like the old Batman, Adam West Batman. That's how nerdy and geeky when it comes to superheroes. He once said, and it was a villain who said it, and while it was kind of negative, I took it a little different way. He said, it's always the little things. And I thought, well, you're right. It is the little things because those little things, as small dots they could be, they could grow and turn into big dots.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think like this, for example, this is a huge achievement for Harvey. I'm sure Harvey will say that this is the first time Harvey's been interviewed about his autism so i know when harvey's finished this i'm sure he'll be very proud of himself and this is a massive achievement for harvey so every day our students are achieving different things and new things and breaking down barriers and as you say breaking down the stigma of autism that's awesome harvey first of all congratulations for being interviewed
1: i think that is a great step we need to hear okay. more of that i think some days is congratulations honestly just to make us feel good now harvey how does the school accommodate to your needs
0: when i first really came here which was quite a while back, about seven years ago. They didn't have anybody in the school with PDA at the time. They only just heard about the condition when I first came. But the first few years was rough, very, very rough. They struggled to understand at first, but literally five days in, I could see a complete change in the way when I'm in meltdown or anything. They calm me down a lot quicker using certain techniques and things that I never knew would work. But They just learnt to adapt to the capabilities that they need to be for PDA. And it really helped me overcome stuff.
1: Let me ask, maybe you know, but what are the techniques they have used before?
0: Well, there's one that I can name off mind called positive ignorance. It's quite a common one. If I'm in Meltdown or very annoyed or angry or something, they would ignore me for a positive reason. And when I'm in Meltdown, my mind is not me. so then me, I will get bored of that, so then not responding to me will annoy me, so then I will literally just lower down like a balloon that's been popped. on. I don't know, I'm just
1: thinking about me, I don't know if that would work for me, because I get annoyed, like, kind of mad, because in a way, I'm asking for help, because when I hear meltdown mode, I think, oh, they're crying for a reason that they can't help, they need help, not ignorance, help. So in a way, I understand that it, it may work for some, but I just don't think it'll work for me, but... Then again, I could be wrong, but that's just me. But it seems like a great technique, though, and it's worked for you, so I'm very happy about that. Adam, I want to know this. How does the school make sure that the positive side of autism
3: is shown every day? We do that very well. We have lots of staff at the school are fantastic and promote the amazing things our students do very well. Again, this podcast is promoting the amazing things our students do. Our parents are engaged with our school and our community very well, so we speak a lot to the parents of our students. and. We try and promote all the things our classes do. We have like obviously our website and newsletters and different kind of media outlets that we use. So yeah, we, as I've mentioned, we try and promote as much as we can promote what some people might say is the little things that our students do. We're always trying to talk about how amazing our students are and how fantastic autism can be and also promoting what autism is. So obviously, yeah, it can be, have its challenging parts and it can be difficult for our students at times. So I think we try to educate um, as much as possible. We have a fantastic outreach team at school who teach other schools about autism and try and support them with their autistic students in their schools. So yeah, the schools do a fantastic job of promoting and celebrating autism.
1: And I see that there was a video you made. I want to get more into that. So with this video, I saw them promoting all the positive sides of autism. But I want to know, because the video, what I noticed and it said it encourages creativity. So how do you encourage creativity in the classroom every day?
3: So as we said at the start, our students are very visual. So lots of our work is quite practical and quite hands-on. And if a student wants to do a task or to do a piece of work slightly differently, then we encourage that. And we try to provoke them to do it as independently as possible. It might not be the what we say is the correct way of doing something, but just because we think that doesn't mean we're right. So trying to get our students to be as individual as possible, and creative as possible. Um, it's something that we're always trying to do.
1: I'm with you too, because creativity is the best way sometimes, or maybe all the time even. When that brain goes on, their wheels are turning, they're running ahead, they're running that race. I know I am talking about positive, and the video showed positive, which I am going to, the video, by the way, I'm going to put in the show notes, but there has to be some kind of, I don't want to say bad side to autism, but some challenging sides, obviously, and I think our listeners are understanding through this podcast, but I bet there's a negative misconception. So Adam, I'm curious from your perspective, what would you say is the biggest negative misconception about autism?
3: Yeah, you know, I think there's lots of people who, unless you have a link to autism, unless you've got a family member or you know someone with autism, then you probably don't know about autism, which is fair mm-hmm. enough because why would you, I suppose, if you, if you don't have any reason to know about autism? But then I think lots of the stereotypes of autism are wrong. So such as, They preferred being on their own. Autistic people can't socialize. Autistic people can't communicate. Autistic people have bad behavior. Because these are kind of the stereotypes that we see in the media or on television in the past, but that is, that's completely wrong. Yes. Sometimes autistic children, autistic people might prefer being on their own, but no, not all. I like being on my own. Sometimes I'm not autistic. Autistic people can't communicate. Well, no, that's, that's wrong. They just communicate differently. Well, you might have people like Sam and Harvey who communicate really, really well but other children might communicate using sign language or using an iPad or using gestures or objects. So it's understanding that just because they can't communicate in a way that we communicate, it doesn't mean that they can't communicate. It just means that we have to learn and adapt our way of thinking to be able to understand them and and support them. That's what I learned
1: actually when I went to a conference. They always say verbal and nonverbal. They're not nonverbal because they are hearing your voice out. They're hearing what you're saying it's non speaking just because they don't speak doesn't mean they're dumb. It means yeah, that the talking just isn't there because you don't need to talk to live. I mean, it's a great tool and some might think it's a necessity tool. And I'm one of those who do because I like to speak and I'd hate not to have my voice the next day, but you can live without it. I yeah, think. definitely.
3: Lots of our students at school have communication aids, maybe iPads or symbols or communication books or, Pets or other ways of communicating that isn't speaking. But yeah, it doesn't mean that they, they're any different to anyone else. We as individuals just need to learn and adapt our ways to understand them.
1: Uh, we're going to take a break again. We're going to hear about REMC. Let's get to it. <laughs> remc UDWI provides families with electricity and quality, efficient service while maintaining a financially healthy and rate competitive position in the industry through teamwork, mutual respect, and an ongoing commitment to their members. As a cooperative, they are owned and operated by their members. That means that the employees at REMC are there to serve their customers. With a history of dedication and longevity, they take great pride in providing people with the very best customer service. The people working at REMC are the world's most friendliest staff, and you will be comfortable when you talk to them. There is no reason you should not explore REMC UDWI today. All right, and we're back, and yes, check them out, and if you go, I guarantee you'll be wanting to do the electric slide, next thing you know. Now, I do want to talk about your families a little bit. So could you describe each of your families from your perspective?
3: I've got recently had a daughter. So I've got a one-year-old daughter um, who was born what, November 2020 and a wife daughter's best thing that ever happened to me that's um, awesome man been, first of all
1: congratulations to on
3: being a daughter do- being a father about said daughter wow
1: <laughs> and did fatherhood change you in any way
3: yeah definitely i think i suppose as there's any first-time parent you're very scared don't know what's gonna happen this lack of sleep is hard but yeah it's incredible i wouldn't change it for the world and i hope to have, have more children as i grow up and i can't wait to go home every day and and see, so, yeah, she's still at a nice stage where she wants to cuddles and loves you. I'm sure I get the stage where she doesn't want to cuddle me anymore and wants to run away from me and talk to me. So at the moment, she likes to cuddles and sits and watches TV with me and plays with me. So yeah, the moment is lovely. Uh, that's awesome.
1: Hey, you never know. I'm still a grown-up and I still love my mother. So, <laughs> hey, Harvey, I am curious. How does your family accommodate to your needs at home?
0: Mainly, they try and keep it as calm as they can because I've got six sisters, two brothers, so quite a lot of family. And so for me, I think that they're just trying to keep it as calm as they can. It just has to stay as chill as possible because two of my sisters are getting diagnosed for autism as well, because one of my sisters is struggling at school at the moment. It seems that she's, say, she's saying that she has the same needs as me and I can genuinely see that. So obviously my mum has to put things in place to keep us all safe. and happy and calm so everybody understands each other in the home
1: right i agree with that and i you know i struggle with school so tell your sister this advice get through school enjoy adulthood believe me there are more chances to enjoy adulthood than ever where you can socialize and they won't judge you for acting as society would call unnormal so just tell her to get through school and enjoy adulthood that might work out (laughs) yeah harvey what are your plans for the future
0: well, I've already got it all planned out. By the time I'm 16, I'm 13 now, but by the time I'm 16, I'd like to get an apprenticeship, do work experience at this school, and then I'd like to work here when I become of age. And while I work here, I'd like to do some studying in uni and all of that to become an NHS doctor.
1: That's awesome, man.
0: So you just, you're just you just never going to leave, right? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much.
1: That, that's cool. Hey, it must have made impact on you that you wanted to stay, so... That's pretty good. Can't wait for you, man. Now, these are just for some fun questions, guys. So feel free and either you can answer them. So what is like your paradise meal
3: or your favorite food? And why is it your favorite? Come on, Adam. Favorite, my favorite food. I love a curry or yeah, I do like a good curry. Good chicken tikka masala or spaghetti bolognese. They're probably my two favorites.
0: Are you Harry? For me, it's something that mom cooks all the time. It's something called corned beef hash which is basically just mashed potatoes with corned beef out of a tin. You mash it up into the mash, <laughs> pour some baked beans on there, and then just mix it in and eat it. It's actually pretty nice. Oh, like oh that's, that
1: sounds really good, actually. I haven't had corned beef hash, but I'll give her a try. That sounds really <laughs> good, actually. Really good. I think my dad would like that because right? <laughs> like, my dad's like me. We're both meat potatoes people. So mm. definitely Um, I'll check that out. I never had it. Definitely give it a check. What is your favorite movie or TV show and why do you like it?
0: Right. For me, favorite TV show, it's something called Grey's Anatomy. Yep, I've heard uh, that. It's in America too. And also, my favorite movie, it's also an American movie called Flight of the Navigator.
1: I don't think I've heard that one.
0: It's a fairly old movie. It's like an 80s movie, but it's like a really good one. And it's about this kid who meets an alien and Crazy. <laughs>
3: wow, well, I'm, I'm going to go American as well. My, I think my favorite TV show is Friends. I love watching Friends. I think it's one of them TV shows that is always on, and whatever mood I'm in, I if I can't find anything to watch, it's always always stick Friends on. So yeah, I love Friends. I'm
0: like that with Big Bang Theory, me.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, Big Bang Theory.
1: You gotta love Sheldon sometimes.
0: Yeah, <laughs> live long and prosper.
1: Oh yeah, you ain't a kidding. What has been your favorite vacation that you have ever taken? And why did you enjoy that
3: vacation very much? You want to go first? Yeah, oh, well, I'm going to go back to America. Um, <laughs> I've been to Florida a few times. My wife's a huge Disney fan. So we've been to Orlando, Florida. Uh, we're lucky to have been a few times and we're going there again in August. And it's just yeah, an amazing holiday, a great vacation. Um, so it be the first time I've taken my daughter, usually just me and my wife. So it'll be a different experience for us with, with a, a nearly two-year-old. So, yeah, I can't wait for her to see Mickey Mouse and, and everything else and enjoy the whole of Disney. Let's just hope she doesn't get scared of Mickey Mouse. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That is a that is a worry. Be a waste of a few grand.
0: But um, for my holiday, well, I've never been abroad, but I think Wales, a place called Wales in the UK, it's the only place that I've really been. I found it really, really nice because I went to also a place called Greenwood Forest in Wales. And it's like this adventure park like a theme park but it's run on like natural sources of power like solar panels and human generated power and like there's this roller coaster i went on had loops and everything but that was powered by humans basically just on a lift going up to the thing that's
1: cool that you adam you've been to orlando and you seem like a your place seems like cool but i'm going to orlando in uh may and i'm trying it for a podcast festival it's called Podfest expo Feel free to check it out if you guys want to. I'm trying to convince my mother to take me to Universal Studios or Disneyland because I'm (laughs) always wanting to go just to check those out.
3: ain't going too well,
1: but we're trying still.
3: Yeah, definitely convince her because it's an amazing experience.
1: I I believe you. Now, your your testimony may be helped very beneficial to me. (laughs) Now, the final question is, are there any good memories that you want to tell our viewers about? If you do, why do you remember that memory the most? And before you answer... I always like to end with like a good memory that made you feel like just good and warm inside and just made you feel happy. And a funny memory that made you laugh so hard you about fell on the floor.
3: I'm gonna go very stereotypical and say my daughter being born. Yeah, it was an amazing experience. And being on my first daughter as well was very scary. But then once she was born and everything's, everything's okay with, with her and, and everything, it's, it was an incredible experience to kind of get home for the first night and holding her in your arms for the first time is a memory you'll, you'll never forget. So yeah, I'm going to go with my daughter being born was, was a memory I'll never forget.
0: And for me, my best memory is my closest sister's niece and my closest sister's daughter being born. That was like really exciting because obviously i had been an uncle in the past. I've been an uncle since before I was even born. But this one was like really special because I was really close to my sister. And it just made me feel very happy that someone I'm very close to has had a child after... So many years of one-in-one and looking after me and all of that, and it just made me feel very happy.
1: Now, that funny memory, is there any memories that made you fall on the floor? It could be with each other. It could be with someone else. It's your call. You want to answer it. It's Um, very broad, but it's your call. I've got
0: one. Um, It's quite embarrassing as well. I went to Alton Towers one time, which is a theme park in the UK. I went on a ride called The Smiler, and it had a whopping 14 loops. And I remember, like, the first time going on it, I didn't tell anybody at all because it wasn't really that noticeable. But I kind of peed myself a little bit. Um,
1: Oops. <laughs> well, yeah, you gotta yeah. go when you gotta go. I mean, I mean, hey, you um, couldn't help.
0: You gotta go when you gotta go, man. Indeed. But I was literally just sitting on my bed earlier that day, literally just laughing myself to sleep. I've been, I've had
1: some embarrassing roller coaster moments. My problem was I couldn't really learn how to tie my shoe. I being a kid at eight years old, still, I don't know if that's embarrassing or not, but it probably isn't. I just can't learn the basics.
0: So I had to wear Velcro I to shoes. I only learned to tie my shoes probably about a year ago. <laughs> okay. So we're good there. Cool.
1: Yeah. So anyway, I had like Velcro shoes and I was kind of, my feet were kind of growing and they weren't fitting too well, but I had to wear them because that was the only shoes I had. And what happened was we were on a loop and it was the Batman roller coaster at Six Flags in Texas when we were traveling on vacation. And My shoe fell off during the roller coaster. Like during the loop, my shoe fell off totally. And then we were going to go buy new shoes. Well, ironically, when we were leaving the roller coaster, it was right there. Like we could see it through the fence. (laughs) So we couldn't reach it. So we we got someone like a very tall guy. And he we had a broom and a dustpan that the maintenance guy gave us. If you can reach it, feel free. So we got this tall guy, and he literally had to reach over the fence with the broom to get our shoe. And I thought, <laughs> don't hear this about this every day. But as <laughs> no, I thought, when you said amusement park, I thought of that experience right off the bat. And that's the only time anything's fell off, though. I haven't had a bird hit me in the face while on a roller coaster, nor a hat fly
0: off. So My phone flew in my pocket one time, and that was a very, very sad experience because it was the new iPhone X at the time.
1: Oh. <laughs> Next, I guess, tuck it in or, like, duct
3: tape it, maybe.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, I think that's all. Do you have any closing remarks or anything you'd like to promote before we head out?
3: Um, no, So say thank you so much, Sam, for your time. And if anyone is listening, wants to listen to the TWS Sports Podcast, and please give us a listen. We really appreciate it. And, no, thank you so much, Sam, for your time. And I know Harvey was really appreciated speaking to you as well. So thank I you so to. much.
1: All right, guys. Thank you. And have a great day. And you. And you. Thanks for joining me for this episode. Please tune in for another episode coming in very soon. I hope you enjoy listening to me ramble. Thank you very much.
3: Dad always told me don't you cry when
2: you're down. But mom, there's a tear every time that I blink.